This is the Pro Audio Suite Podcast. Quick Bites. Welcome to another Pro Audio Suite Quick Bite. This week, we're talking about hearing or lack thereof, and also a new what? set of headphones. Pardon? Yeah, Hello? exactly. Of course, Robert. <laughs> I had to start right off. <laughs> what was there? I mean, I had to bite my yeah. tongue, let's be honest. Yeah. Could have, this could have been a 10-minute gag with that as the punchline, but anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but uh, now hearing is an issue, and next year we're going to be talking to an audiologist about losing your hearing as you get older and damage we do with headphones or whatever, and, uh, and also the mystery one of tinnitus. I have a theory, but I don't think it's necessarily going to work, but worth a shot anyway. But you do have a theory on tinnitus, don't you, Robert? Um, I have many theories. I, th- I think we all have the theory that everyone has a little bit of it, and they just maybe don't want to admit it, but just living life, especially in this city um, and whatnot, you're, you're going to end up with hearing damage. And it's the main, the main way that that, you know, results is with tinnitus. And so I think everyone has it to some degree, obviously some people worse than others. And it can be for sure insanely maddening, I imagine, because it's in case anybody isn't aware, it's essentially the sensation that you're hearing a frequency, but it doesn't exist. And you cannot get rid of hearing that frequency. You can plug your ears and do whatever you want, but it just won't go away. And um, for that reason, it drives people mad. That tone is a popular effect in films. Like they'll have a scene where there's an explosion or like a fire of a really loud gun. And the sound mixer will, will do that effect as a, to make you make you feel like you're having tinnitus. It's pretty interesting when uh, they do it. They'll they'll cut all the audio. Maybe they'll high pass or actually they'll, they'll, low they'll, pass. They'll, they'll put a low pass. Yeah, yeah. they'll low pass everything and then, out and then and inject they'll leave behind this, this tone, you know, to emulate what it feels like, you know, to have hearing damage. And graphically, they'll often accompany that with a muting of the colors. Whoa, yeah. Ah, oh, okay. It's very effective. Which is something else that happens, yeah. It is. And and I don't I don't know like, if there's temporary like because that because you definitely get that you know that that ringing and then if anybody's gone to a concert and and you didn't wear any hearing protection your ears will ring and that is tinnitus and then it kind of goes away and it subsides later um, but eventually it can be permanent and that's specifically I guess what tinnitus is is the permanent aspect of that but yeah but my but we because I spoke to you Robert about this. A couple of weeks back, and I had a theory based on noise cancelling headphones that if you could right. work out what the frequency was that was in your brain that was, you know, going ballistic and keeping you awake at night, could you not? And, and, and I said you can't cancel something that doesn't exist. The That's cancellation right. not something physical, relies on yeah. physical interaction, and so you're like but based on not, that, you should just be able to plug your plug your ears and cancel out the or block the tinnitus. But yeah, isn't it because a snapped nerve end? Inside the kind inside of, your ear, yeah, right. So inside your cochlea, there's all these it, like your cochlea is like a snail, and it spirals in, and towards the very tight, small part of that is where the the high frequencies are perceived. And there's these little hairs that are on the end of the hair is a nerve cell, I think. And so as the hair gets moved, um, because the frequency is so high that it can make it into that deep part of the cochlea, that hair cell is excited, and then the nerve says, ah, "I'm that frequency is happening." Um, and what happens is these, these hairs get flattened out or broken or, and therefore the nerve is like constantly being actuated, I guess. And so that's that feeling that you, that you're hearing when it's not really a frequency, it's just a nerve that's busted. Well, we'll find out some more when we get our, um, audiologist. 
to yeah. come in and talk more about that because it's it is a fascinating thing and and also hearing damage basically i mean and it's a very important subject too um so yeah actually um there there's a good story about this that that i have i um about a year ago i was um i've i've got a pair of magna panner speakers here and they've got a 5 foot long ribbon tweeter and they're just wonderful speakers and i was having a problem with the ribbon tweeters and so i was running like 18k tone into the speaker and um i had to get really close to the speaker to hear it and and i think i was also cranking the volume up to some degree and i'm doing my thing and then my daughter who's 30 feet away in her bedroom says turn it off yeah. i'm like okay <laughs> yeah. so i press the producer button and i don't really turn it off i'm like okay and like 30 seconds later she's like turn it off like okay i'm like oh you really do hear that and i was amazed because for me if I backed off 10 feet from that speaker, even like the drop off was significant. It just dropped fast. And she was, I mean, if I went to her room, it was gone. I did not hear it anymore. And she was picking that up. And it's just like amazing what young ears can hear. Yeah. And I never really saw that like truly because it was just amazing. I was like, wow. I, I had to look up exactly what the description of, you know, tinnitus is and what it is. And it's, it's actually that those, um, those little tiny hairs inside the cochlea. So mm -hmm. the microscopic hairs form a fringe on the surface of each auditory cell in the cochlea. And if hairs are damaged, they move randomly, then sending into electrical impulses to your brain as noise or tinnitus. Um, it can also be caused by turbulence in the carotid, yeah, the carotid artery or jugular vein. That's pretty interesting. Or if you have TMJ issues, can also cause it. Well, there you go. Robert, you get a gold star. Mm. Well done, sir. I, I, I learned star. it in college. Actually, um, I, you know, we in, in our, just in college, we had to do, we, we had to learn about the, the ear and everything. And I did music composition. And um, one of our teachers, an amazing guy named um, Dr. Cleve Scott, he wrote this piece of music that relied on um, beat frequencies. So, George, you're, you're familiar with, Bert, with beat frequencies, yeah. right? So anyways, he, my, my teacher wrote this piece of music that relies on beat frequencies, which beat frequencies are, you have two frequencies that are very close to each other. And the difference between them creates a third frequency. Like literally in the physical world, there's a third frequency, which is the two signals beating against each other, the subtraction of the two. Um, but what he did is he wrote this piece of music where the two sides were fed to you fairly discreetly. So one ear was hearing, for the most part, one frequency, and the other ear was hearing the other frequency, and your brain created the third frequency. It was this thing that they couldn't get rid of. And like No matter how they turned their head or moved around, it was inside their head. They almost felt violated. And that's the one thing that makes me think maybe it's possible to psychoacoustically eliminate tinnitus in some way because... The fact that your brain created a beat frequency, maybe your brain can phase something out. Wow, uh, that's my, deep, man. My gut says that it's not possible that you know tinnitus doesn't the frequency doesn't exist in the real world, so you can't get rid of it. But hmm. yeah, but then again, that that beat frequency didn't exist either. Exactly. So maybe there is some crazy way to. Um, what if that's different wow. from the beat frequency? I my my um there's another kind of I was thinking of my uncle used to have a twin engined plane. And if the two engines were running slightly different RPMs, it resonated in this pulsing 
sound inside the cabin. That's a, that's a beat frequency. Oh my God, that's it was so intense. It was horrible. And he would have to very carefully tune. The, there was like a synchronizer or something that would try to get the two engines to spin at the same speed. But it was fascinating. Like when they were just barely off of each other, it would just sort of go, this make this, yeah. Like, just like you're describing. It's yeah. like, it's like I think there's other things called like wolf tones. I mean, you can almost do it if you whistle like... Uh, like Mongolian fl- throat singing almost. Oh, the, the throat singing. Yeah, you can create a third frequency out of two. Yeah. Yeah. Audio-wise, the brain does a lot of interesting things. I mean, if you, and you've probably done this too, Robert, is sometimes if you've got a pop or a click or something in a voice track, you can actually, if it's only like less than, what, a frame or two, you can, sometimes you can cut it out. And, and the, the, but even though there's a tiny gap, the brain doesn't hear that. It's just too fast, so your brain just skips over it. The brain fills in so much stuff. Yeah. I mean, as, an, as like a music mixer, everyone knows that you can like kind of crank up the high end of a kick drum and it makes your brain think there's low end with it, even though it's not there. Your brain's like, I heard the attack and I know that comes with this thud and your brain fills in the thud, but it's not really there. That's yeah. what that, I think that's a lot of what that max bass plugin does with waves. So anyways, yeah, you can you can fake low end presence with the, you know, with high end being constructed right. Another thing they've proven is like if you chop the transient, the initial sound off of something, people can't tell if it's a trumpet or a piano kind of because so much information is in the transient. Wow. And not the the tail. So your brain is deriving information and using its its knowledge of what it's heard before to figure out what it thinks it's hearing now. And that's how it knows that this is a trumpet and that's a this. It's also how your brain knows if something's in front of it or behind it because your ears are only really engineered to hear left and right. But if you slice someone's ear flaps off, they start to have trouble figuring out front and back because your ear flap and the shape of that is really like your brain knows that something from behind me is going to be have fewer high frequencies. Yes. Yeah, but I it know only knows that it's fewer high frequencies because it knows what that thing should sound like in the first place. Actually, I know someone who we could get to uh, test that on, um, slicing off their ear flaps to see if they... Uh, <laughs> they obviously don't use them. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of a redundant... Don't do this at all. Didn't we talk about cats in the last episode? <laughs> yeah. well, but it, it's quite funny with the brain though because if you if you uh, want to ever copy an image if you're a painter or a, a drawer or whatever if you turn the image upside down it tricks the brain the brain doesn't you know like filling in all the gaps it actually has to see the image for right. what it is it, that's, that's right a, a really that's like trick. a famous thing when when you want to draw something accurately they, they did this to us in college I originally went I started out freshman year as an architecture school and they would have you draw something and when you're looking at the face right side up and trying to draw the person, you are horrible. Yeah. And then you flip this picture upside down so that you can't really tell what you're looking at and you just try to emulate what you're seeing and you make a way better copy of it than yeah. when you oh, know what you're cool. copying. There's, yeah. there's another way that's a little bit more related to our business, which is MP3. The reason MP3 yeah. is smaller is because they remove all of the parts of the audio that are deemed to be not necessary for your brain mm. to determine that you're hearing Irrelevant. the original sound. Yep. And yep. I, I still exactly. don't even understand how they figured out how to do this back in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, it's kind of mind-boggling. It's research that came from even the 30s with... Uh, um, Masking? 
masking. They, they did a lot of research on what tones mask other tones. And so if this tone and this frequency is present, you're not going to, at this volume, you're not going to hear that frequency at this volume. So we can get rid of that. Um, that was that was a big part of it. It is computationally intensive. I mean, I remember when I was a freshman year in co- a freshman in college, ninety two, I think it was. MP three was really really new, and you could run a command line thing and you know DOS on the PC, and DOS. you know turn a wave into an MP three. You'd go to dinner and come back to make yeah. an MP three. Yeah. I mean, Take computationally, sure. it's very complicated. Now we record direct into MP3 on a phone and don't even think about it. And stream it in real time. Yeah, it's just, it's quite complicated, but that's a really good example of how the brain, you know, fail, fills in data or... Right, and and it's using multiple technologies, like there's the um, AAC codec, and then I think there's the AAC Plus, or what was it, where it was basically playing with uh, like um, high-frequency noise to, I'd have to read back up on it, but it wasn't just all the normal stuff that MP3 did, but they combined it with the ability to sort of add in this high-frequency noise when necessary to make you feel that those frequencies were present, I think. Wow. Um, so we're always going to have better... Because a lot of these compression techniques use... They're all borrowing from each other and, and combining, you know? So is that is that similar to like Renaissance bass plugin and all that sort of stuff that adds bottom end? Yeah, so so Renaissance space and things like that don't really add bottom end in in the true energy's no. point of view. What they do is they add in the high frequency content that would normally be present with that low end. And so your brain goes, I heard this, it must have that, wow. the low end, even though the oh even though that low end really isn't there. Um and so and so it's it's like your brain filling in the gaps. It's not a base you know, synthesizer. Like, like, it's not something that's like taking not, a tone and not. doubling yeah. it on a lower octave or something. Yeah, that's really clever. Wow. This is this is the whole thing why like kick drums have a lot of like snappy click into them because it's like like that transient is associated with this and you know like mm. it's kind of your eighties kick drum sound, but yeah. psychoacoustic games. Wow. Now I was going to talk about the uh, these Neura headphones or Neurophones. I was going to mention that. I'm very curious to hear those. Have you seen them before, George? Because I remember you mentioning some headphones that you'd seen at NAM or AES or somewhere. I haven't seen them in the flesh um, or held them in the flesh. Um, they're prosumery headphones, I guess. I mean, they're definitely yeah. marketed to the consumer. Um, but I would be shocked if they didn't show up at NAM or something, if, if they're in the real world now, which I, I think they are. Weren't they sort of a... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it's very fascinating technology, the way it modifies the response by bl- sending sound into your ear canal reflecting off the the the, the ear, you know your eardrum and measuring the response of the eardrum and then using that to modify the response of the drivers i mean internally yeah it's quite extraordinary i was trying to get the guys on on uh, the show today but we'll get them for next year because they're actually based um in melbourne oh really cool um yeah it's an yeah. australian company so uh, also known as the asshole of the world sorry what was that <laughs> <laughs> was that my outside voice? <laughs> yeah. 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 Good on you, Robin. <laughs> hey, uh, listen, while we're talking about headphones too, I'd like to give a personal shout out to the people at Stax and just say that, you know, if there's a spare <laughs> pair of SR009s floating around, you can shoot them my way. Sydney, well, not no, Melbourne. I've, I've heard one of the people that works there who could help you out. Um, 
does need a it's kidney speech. donated, so you <laughs> may be able to do It'd be about equal value, oh, right? Man, I know, yeah. Before we started recording today, Robert was talking about him, and I jumped online and had a look and saw the price and nearly fell off my chair. You're lucky I'm still here and not in the back of an ambulance somewhere. <laughs> well, you, 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 those are pretty cheap compared to the Sennheiser Orpheus. Really? Oh, there's more expensive um, than the stacks. I didn't know that. Oh, the, the Orpheus comes with its own amp. It's about $70,000 system. Whoa! And, uh, the, stacks, yeah. the stacks have their own amp too, no, know, by the way, but they're only $5,000. Yeah. No, the Orpheus is sort of like the, uh, you know, well, if you'll spend 10000 on headphones, surely you'll spend 70000 on headphones. Who does spend $70,000 on headphones? Please, someone tell me. Someone who's lived long enough to make $70,000 yet can't hear what those headphones can do because <laughs> yeah. they live yeah. that long. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Like, that's crazy. That's nuts. By the time you've got $70,000 to chuck on a pair of headphones, you're probably about eighty. And uh, you've got no hearing anyway, so what's the point? <laughs> That's <right>. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's probably uh, Silicon I, Valley. I guys. had the pleasure of listening to a pair of stacks yeah. when I was twenty years old, and I have to say, it was it was just awesome. I'm like, do, do they still call them head speakers? Probably. Like they were. I, I remember at one time they were fairly. Uh, adamant no, they've about got headphones it. here. Headphone. Uh, they call them headphones they here, but okay. yeah, head speakers. I, as we said before the show, I think that's really cool because you know, headphone has that sort of dingy telephony sound connotation. So head speakers is really clever. Good marketing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know Blue Blue made a pair of headphones um, around 2014, and the guy was going around AES playing them and they sounded pretty fabulous and I remember that they were pretty big but they were multi-driver so I think they had like literally they were a three-way headphone which also um, AKG made a pair of three-way headphones but these ones from Blue had their own amp I believe and I remember trying them and granted I was listening like on a noisy convention floor but they sounded pretty good three-way headphones most headphones obviously are just one way well i found the info about the ones i heard at aes called the i think i mentioned these um i couldn't remember the name they're the r-a-a-l ribbon headphone um oh, i was yeah. saying i put them on backwards and i was embarrassed i had them on backwards. yes that's right and stevie, stevie wonder, wonder was, was right next to me and he saw my <laughs> headphones and laughed um <laughs> but um, <laughs> um yeah these things these are uh, r-a-a-l uh um Ribbon drivers uh, headphones definitely the definition of a head worn speaker. If you saw these things, <laughs> I'll send yeah, you guys right. a link to them. Well, they're kind of stacks like, if I remember right, they're just like these big yeah, panels, these huge like, panels yeah, with big like black big panels, carbon fiber yeah. fins on yeah. them, and they look steampunk almost. These things, yeah, um, that's what we were saying before the show. Imagine walking in, there's your five year old, you know, sucking on chocolate. Chocolate fingers wearing headphones, watching Bob the Builder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's so, right. so, so here's here's one other thing I remember reading about. I've never experienced this, but um, they were trying to work with like placed sound, um, and so they had two extremely high frequency beams of sound that were sort of focused to cross at a point, say twenty feet in front of you, and when they crossed, they would beat against each other, and the beating. So these these two frequencies were so high that you can't hear them. But when they hit each other, the difference drops down into the audio range. And you have sound happening at a place where there's no speaker. Hmm. Wow. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> totally. That's so clever. 
Yeah, it's really. Like, yeah. I, I've, I've never actually experienced it. It was just like some, some things I was reading about. Wow. Like, wow. Like holographic sound, you know? There you go. Wow. There's some clever people out there, and it's certainly not me. <laughs> <laughs> right. We Along, know. along with yeah. the brown tone. We the all brown know about tone. that one too, right? The brown tone. <laughs> Don't go there. <laughs> you or haven't heard of this? Dump. The U.S. military. Yeah, this is the one. It's so low, it makes you shit yeah. your pants, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They used to use the high, low frequencies in, um, you know, to send either in in war, right? You know, fire up the low frequency. They would try to find the frequency that most bod- most people's body resonated at, and so they just blast you with the sound until your guts are just vibrating, and next thing you know, you just yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. something like fourteen hertz or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I'm it sure just, it does. Like, makes you sick. <laughs> <laughs> like, enough volume at that low frequency. It's literally like being shaken. Yep. Well, on, on that bombshell, we should. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, we should be out. <laughs> yeah, we should get out of here. Yeah. All right. All right. Note. My phone's exploding. Yeah, well, thank God it's just your phone. Um, <laughs> oh, we're such a tasteful show. That was the Pro Audio Suite. If you have any questions or ideas for a show, let us know via our Facebook, the Pro Audio Suite Podcast. Yeah.